0: It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club
1: Podcast. It's basketball time. It's over! It's over! over. The 52-year yeah. yeah. draft uh, is it. over! The Cavaliers It yeah. won the NCAA Championship! Cleveland, this is for you! Mitchell. Goes to the basket
0: and buries Cornette!
1: Garland high steps over the timeline, stumps on a dime.
0: Darius Garland has been unreal here in the fourth quarter. Jack clock down to five. Lillard. One by Mobley. Oh, my. Degas. Oh, Jalen Stallings. And Allen, oh, sit Get that three-step out of here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the shoot-around. Welcome back to the show. Today we're bringing back friend of the pod, Jackson Flickinger, to talk about his observations on the year so far. The All-Star break has been underway, we've seen some fun performances from Evan Mobley in the Rising Stars matchup, and Donovan Mitchell put up a 40-burger in the actual game Sunday night, which is a bit like playing NBA 2K on the easy level using Space Jam's Monstars, if you get that reference. Did you get a chance to watch the game, Colin?
2: Adam, I wasn't able to catch the game, but I did see the highlights. I think the break is important, but it's tough to stay interested in a game where everyone is averaging about 25 points or more. All that being said, I'm excited to get into the interview with Jackson, where we talked a lot of good stuff. As a reminder, Jackson is a writer for Fear the Sword. You can also follow him on Twitter, so check out his stuff.
1: Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or follow us on the podcast player of your choice. We've been adding extra content to our YouTube channel, so please subscribe there and please be sure to leave a comment. We'd love for you to engage with our podcast.
2: Kevin Love is officially gone. The five-time All-Star and 15-year NBA veteran cleared waivers on Monday afternoon, then signed a contract to join the Miami Heat immediately after. He seems to be in a big hurry.
1: Did the Cavs make a mistake by forcing him out of the rotation? I think time will tell. I think the one thing that comes to mind and something that I did see in an article that was immediately produced about this is that the players really appreciated having Kevin on the team. Mm. His veteran leadership, what he brought to the games, even just standing on the sideline, what he could point out to them in real time had a lot of benefit. And now one of the only guys left on the team that's going to provide that kind of veteran leadership is ricky and Mm -hmm. that's about it Now, obviously you know danny green might do that and the nba is a small community where it seems like everybody really knows one another so um i i don't know this is a this is kind of the worry that we couldn't value him in the way that he wanted but really the way that we needed him to be valued was to kind of just take a seat and Mm -hmm. be a player's coach kind of in the interim. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably be more heavily leaned on when the playoffs came around. And I think it's just, we talked about it last episode. I think it's just kind of sad that Kevin bailed and um, Mm -hmm. the Cavs, they, they did what was best for him. And I think they were a classy organization in just kind of fulfilling his wishes. But now the real question will be, will his absence be a negative to the growth of this team, at least for this season? Mm -hmm. I did read an article almost immediately about how Evan said that the players are just going to really miss him. So Mm -hmm. it was Evan that was leading the charge on that. I know I've I've read in the past that Darius uh, has benefited greatly from Kevin being on the team.
2: Yeah, I definitely think the players are going
1: to miss him. They all understand
2: it's a business. I think that the Cavs did not do anything wrong by having a conversation with Kevin Love and letting him understand that he was out of the rotation. Kevin Love has only scored about, in all the games that he played this year, he only had double figures in about 13, 14, 15 games this season. He was not producing at a high level for this team because, as you and I have noted, when he is not putting up points, he's a liability out on the floor because defensively, he was even a step further back this year than he was last year. And I think that you're going to miss that chemistry in the sense of that knowledge. And I think that the Cavs really did try to take care of him. They tried to him in a situation where he understood that he would be a mentor for these players but ultimately he was frustrated clearly on some in some degree that he wasn't even seeing the floor because it's not like he went to the phoenix suns or the memphis grizzlies or the boston celtics he went to a team in the miami heat who have a ton of injury problems and are a lower ranking seed than the Cavs. So he wasn't trying to go championship chasing. He was going to a place where he knew he would get more minutes because the Miami Heat have had more injury problems than the Cavs had this season. And it goes back to what you have were noting, which is he made this choice. The Cavs have done a lot of good things by Love. They have taking care of him in the sense of when he's had outbursts in previous seasons, when he's had major injury problems. They didn't ship him off to some team like Sacramento when Sacramento was more of a dumpster fire. To me, I think the organization and the coaching staff really tried to do right by the rest of the rotation. And Love tried as best as he could, and he just couldn't do it. He let his ego and his own want and needs go above the rest of the team and that's his own choice i'm not saying that's a good or bad thing that's just what he chose to do and that's what happened
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and i thought it was interesting that he signed with miami as soon as he could and then the uh the Mm. reports were that he got on a plane went down there was immediately going to the practice facility so yeah you know there's definitely some weird hype around this like he's got Mm -hmm. something to prove or i I don't know it's a very Mm -hmm. odd um Mm -hmm. outcome and the fact that it ended this way was just kind of a head scratcher yeah but kevin loves whole existence with the Cavs have been has
2: been at times
1: a head scratcher (laughs) And it's not too shocking that at the end of the day he's the one who you know um nuked it you know that he's the one who who ended it with his um own behavior or his like yeah. you said his his ego and not not to mm. mean ego in the sense of like something cutting or or cruel but yeah just, you know yeah you you want to be more important to a team than you were here yeah at least the way you want to be defined so yeah exactly and now, we'll, and now we'll see if if his absence truly is less or more for a team that i think it'll be more because they just it, it they're ready to give his minutes to these players that they've been bringing up for several seasons. Yeah. Jackson, we know that you regularly cover the Cleveland Charge, and with Love leaving, I'm wondering, should Isaiah Mobley be brought up to fill the space in the front court?
0: I think that Mobley has Isaiah Mobley has progressed really well throughout the throughout the year. He's shown real progress. I would be hesitant to bring him up to have him fill actual uh, minutes unless somebody else went down i think he's a little he's, he's six eight six nine so he doesn't have the same mm-hmm. size as his brother does and he doesn't he's quick but he doesn't have those same physical traits so he needs to fill out a little more before he could really be dependent on to give good nba minutes at this point
1: okay so his size seems to be a big problem at this point those like his biggest issue
0: so he's most comfortable playing with his back to the basket and at 6'9" 6'10" that's not really something you're going to be able to do in the NBA unless you are physically strong enough to overpower people so in the G League a lot of the biggest difference between the NBA and the G League in my opinion is the play of the front court so you have a bunch of you have a bunch of like kind of small ball PJ Tucker like guys who aren't PJ Tucker and just okay. and just you know They get Isaiah Mobley the ball on the block. It's just, he's just going up with it. They have to send doubles, stuff like that. Or you have guys that are seven feet tall, but they can't move in space. And then Isaiah is able to just take them off the dribble. So it's like a lot of what he's, it's like a lot of what, a lot of how he gets those points that he's getting aren't transferable really well right now, which is why he's working a lot on things that will transfer, like the three-point shot which is really working out well. It's just he still needs a little bit more time to progress and mature physically before I think you'd really feel comfortable with giving him NBA minutes. But I think he, you know, if somebody went, if, if somebody goes down, I think he could give some minutes, but he's not, he's not like somebody who I'd be clamoring for.
2: Yeah, I've seen a lot of discussion, uh, especially with a lot of other Cavs podcasters they've been saying Diacute makes more sense to maybe sign him to an actual deal and get him off the two-way. I haven't watched Diacute as much. Have you? He was with the Charge for a little bit, right? So he's played some games. What have you seen out of him?
0: Yeah, he's played about 13 games, so he's he's been he's spent more time with the Cavs than he has with the Charge. Mhm. He's more NBA ready. He has he has a better NBA body, but I don't think he, he's not he's not somebody I'd feel super comfortable giving a ton of minutes to. He's really turnover prone, and this is okay. pulled up a lot in a G League. That's not really something you want from a backup big. He's also he also fouls a decent amount. You saw that he started a few games, uh, kind of spot started uh, when uh, earlier earlier this year when uh, Jared Allen went down. And he just, he just fouls a lot. So he can give you spot minutes, but he's not somebody Mm -hmm. you really want to give over 15 minutes to in a game.
1: Yeah, I've seen a little bit of him, uh, live and on TV. Um, and I felt very similarly that clearly he's NBA ready, but, uh, I don't think I'd give him more than maybe 10 minutes a game. It depends on the matchups. Um, it depends on what you really need him for, but. Uh, I think one of the reasons why we had this question was because we had uh, a video that we floated on YouTube about it, kind of just wondering that throughout this entire year as a two-way player, why didn't they bring Isaiah in just to see how he'd mesh with the team early on? Was there anything that you had heard about why that didn't happen or was it just they had too many people to, to choose from and it just didn't work out?
0: I think he really just needs the time to really progress in a NBA system. Uh, So one of the things that when you talk to him, one of the things that he really he really talks about is how because he does you know he gets to practice with the Cavs and he's he doesn't travel with them much, but he does go to all like the home games and stuff. And he talks about how he learns a lot being with them, just being around them, seeing it all up close and personal. And then he gets to he gets to see it. And then he gets to take it down to the G League and, and work on it. And that's okay. just something that if he was with the Cavs, even you know, even if he was getting minutes, he wouldn't be getting real minutes, you know, where he's right. able to actually feel like he's able to progress and work on things. Whereas in the G League you see him sometimes like he'll like have a game where he's like, I'm just doing dribble handoffs all day and he'll oh, just, you right. know, practice the, like the fake Kevin Love pull away dribble handoff. You know he'll do that multiple times, and then you know it's you know it's something that he then can incorporate into his game, and it's just he, he wouldn't be getting those reps if he was in the NBA. So that's where it's like, mm. yeah, I think maybe he could get minutes, but it's just I, he's better served, and, and the Cavs are better served in the in the long run with him being down there, just getting as much experience as possible.
1: Yeah, I love that that you touched on that last point. Just to the um, that he is best best of both worlds right now that he can go and watch what the Cavs are doing down the street, but then go and practice all of those things and try it out on his own. Um, you know, with, with the charge. And that's something too, that I wanted to touch base on as well. You know, what are the benefits of it being of the charge being in Cleveland instead of Canton? I mean, that's probably Uh, huge as well, right?
0: Yeah. It's something that if you talk to the players, they all really, really talk about that. and, I never covered the charge when they were in Canton, so I don't really have anything to compare that with, and none of these players played in Canton. But sure. the, the charge are able to practice at the Cavs facilities. Uh-huh. Uh, I was talking to Sharif Cooper the other day, and he was talking about how he's able to go there, and he's, he's able to talk to Donovan Mitchell, he's able to talk to the Cavs, he's able to observe them. So, it's something that they really value. They get to practice on the Cleveland Clinic courts. You know, they get to use the world-class, you know, facilities and stuff. So it's something that they that they really think is a good thing. And we saw that some last year. Brandon Goodwin was getting some mm. minutes last year. Mm-hmm, and okay. then yep. he would get minutes. Somebody would come back from injury. He would just... I felt out of the rotation. I'm just going to go get some minutes with the charge and play 20 minutes just mm-hmm. to stay fresh. And that's something that, you know, the Cavs aren't really using that this year because they don't have guys that fall into that category as much. Mm-hmm. But, you know... Dylan Windler was down with the charge last game and was able to get a couple minutes. So, and that's just an opportunity that you wouldn't have in Canton. You know, it's harder to get guys mm-hmm. to, to travel, you know, down yeah. 77 to, you know, play. No. So, <laughs> it, yeah. so it just, so, so it just really works out well for everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have not lived in Northeast Ohio for a long time, but I know that Canton is far enough that you say to yeah. where. Uh, right. One... One last question I actually had was it it seems like when Isaiah Mobley got drafted, obviously there was a lot of speculation and there was a thought process of, oh, this is Evan's brother. So there's a big reason why you would go after him. Yeah. That being said, kind of from what you're laying out here with Isaiah, he really is getting the chance to improve or craft his game and the hope would be that he would step into getting some meaningful, meaningful minutes sometime next year. Is there a Cavs player that you that you can recall where they have done this? Where they have actually used the G League as kind of a farm system for getting a guy to become an eventual rotation player in recent history? Like, Lamar Stevens comes to mind, but I don't remember him doing much in the G League
0: yeah uh, dean wade uh was able to do that so he went down with the charge he spent some time with the charge and then now he's on a full-time contract lamar stevens he was a two-way player but he was a two-way player during the 2021 during the COVID season yeah so they weren't he didn't Mm -hmm. they had like a g-league bubble i believe and he didn't go to the g-league bubble or anything like that so he was like a two-way player in name only whereas whereas dean wade was able to actually get was able to actually get minutes and it's something that they've tried to do they've tried to have basically they, they tried to have like one developmental player and one guy that they're comfortable with giving minutes to and isaiah is that guy right now i i do think he has the skills to be a really helpful big like mm-hmm. a backup big because this that's what this team needs and this team doesn't really have a lot of avenues to improve around the margins mm-hmm. um, So they need to hit on some guys like this. It doesn't need to be Mobley, but they need to hit on one of these guys, one of these second-round picks because it's just hard to keep this roster going Um, Like depending on minimum contract guys and uh, the uh, mid-level exception.
1: Well, and you've got to salivate at the opportunity for the Mobley brothers to play together. I mean, clearly (laughs) they've been playing together their whole life so the idea that that could come together on the court in the nba i mean yes please as as a cav um and if it takes a couple seasons fine you know we at least evan is ready to go (laughs) but but Mm, yeah mm.
0: yeah and like the thing is i i feel like i've been a little too hard on isaiah like he really does have a lot of things that transfer really well to the nba he he is a good defender Mm -hmm. it's just when like if you picture evan mobley as like just a step slower and just a little bit you Mm -hmm. know shorter arms Mm -hmm. and a little less quick it's just it's the margins that really make a big difference in the nba so he just needs to if he if he fills out and he's somebody that's not going to get pushed around because he's he's had trouble earlier this season you know when they've had when he's gone against some of those super small um centers that are like six five bowling balls you know he can get pushed around a little bit and that's not something that you want, you know. If he's going to be a little smaller, he just can't get pushed around that, that um way. So, it's something that once he fills out, he's he has he's a good shooter. He's a he's a better shooter than his brother, and he's comfortable. He's um with the ball in his hands. He's comfortable dribbling. He, I think he may be a better passer than his brother too. It's just you know, to shooting and passing. Right. He's. Yeah. I mean and, and he's a um, really heady player like he he really has a good feel for the game he understands what needs to be done Evan Mobley's just so physically gifted and Isaiah uh, Mobley uh, is uh. physically gifted but he's not a freak
1: yeah I don't want him to be Evan you know I don't mind that he's Evan light you know I kind of wonder especially with the NBA and then nobody really sticks to any one numbered position you know can he play a little bit at the three the way that we used Markinen? You know, can we rotate him around a little bit depending on certain matchups? You um, know, I don't really know if I need him to always play center, um, but you've watched a lot more game of, of so far of him than than I have. So, yeah,
0: that's something that I've thought about. I don't know if it'd be like in your head, you think it maybe could work, but I feel like mm-hmm. it'd be kind of like you know. When you try to take Larry Nance Jr. and move him at like a 3 or a 5, you're like, this should work. But then like you uh-huh. see it and you're like, it eh, doesn't really quite work because Larry Nance Jr. is really good at a lot of things. But if he was like 2% better at everything, he'd be a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> but mm. as it is, he's just a role player. So, and that's kind of how like I feel about, you know... Isaiah, in terms of, like, maybe trying to make him, like, a three or something like that, it's, like, he's Mm. not quite, like, he has a good handle. He's somebody that could, like, he gets a rebound and he can push it up himself, but Mm. he's not somebody who you'd want to just give it to on the wing and just say, you know, facilitate, do stuff, move off ball, you know? So that's where I think he's kind of, he's kind of more limited in that that, Mm. that aspect. And that's kind of how I felt about, like, Larry Nance Jr.,
1: so in that regard, he could move to the four, and Evan could move to the three. No, sorry. Anyway, yeah. Colin, what were, what were you going to say? Yeah. I I think that,
2: I mean, you're also hitting on, I, Adam and I have thought that Evan, if he improves his foot speed and his handle, Evan could definitely do some weird stuff off of playing the three. I think he has that ability because he's so young. I mean, his his ceiling is completely un- unmatched I think compared for, for any prospect that the Cavs have had obviously since LeBron which you know mm. LeBron is in his own class uh, but I also I, I think what's really interesting about having you on is I actually think that you give really honest assessments of these players and you're also comparing them because you're around the Cavs organization you're comparing them from what the Cavs are asking these players to do so that's why I, I always feel like Yes, you might be a little harsh on Isaiah, but I also think that you understand, like, the mentality of the organization, what JB and the coaching staff is going to ask Isaiah to do if he was to be called up, and I think that there is... Right now, we're seeing it might take a little bit of time, but we saw that is working out with them with Dean Wade. Dean Wade has had some health issues, but he's playing well enough that the team relies on him so much so that they were, you know, now he's gone, but they were sitting a Hall of Famer. So Isaiah has that ability, and and I'm glad that they're able to take the time with him right now.
0: Yeah, and I'm really excited to see what he looks like if he plays something. I would imagine he plays summer league this year i think yeah. last year last year in summer league um he kind of looked like a fish out of water like he was just like i don't know what to do i think i'm supposed to be shooting threes i'll guess mm-hmm. i'll just do that mm-hmm. and that's one of the things he talked about he um talked to me about it once he was like you know like summer league i really wasn't i didn't know how to play nba basketball like i thought i knew what nba basketball was i watch nba basketball but it's just so much different with the speed of the game, the way the spacing works, you know, so it's he's really learning and he keeps developing really well. So it's like, I don't want to put a limit on like what he could do. It's just that like it's you're just going to have to be patient with it. And, you know, you don't really get second round picks who come in and give meaningful minutes unless you're, you know, Booby Gibson, then you can, mm, you know. Mm. Mm -hmm. win a playoff series (laughs) but that's where you just kind of have to keep your expectations for like right now in check but the thing that's most exciting i think is that he fits well with his brother and not just like a um you know oh they're brothers type way but because they actually they actually have games that complement each other yeah you know they've been playing
1: against each other their entire lives (laughs) so yeah right
0: <clears throat> yeah so it's yeah so i'm i'm really excited for the future i'm just not as like i would rather them keep like you know if it really came down to it like i'd rather them give robin lopez minutes just because it's like it's a it's a known Um uh, mm-hmm. it's it's something you know it's you kind of want to just keep isaiah in a spot where he's comfortable where he's learning so
2: okay cool yeah. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code TBPN. We all know how last season went coming out of the All-Star break. In your assessment, how do you see the rest of the season playing out, and how can the team avoid falling in the standings? The way to avoid falling in the standings is by staying healthy. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that
0: really killed the Cavs last year. Jerry Allen went down early after the break. Uh, Darius Garland was coming through the break and not in uh, good health. Uh, Karis LeVert got hurt in the first practice, you know, so it's, it's a lot of their fall last year was based off of injuries, just accumulation of everything, and I think that kind of gets lost when it was like, like a lot of the narrative now is like, oh, they were a young team and they just couldn't, couldn't handle the pressure, and it's like, I don't, like, I think they were a good team, they just didn't, they just couldn't stay healthy, and when you don't have Jared Allen, they were playing Moses Brown, like, like significant minutes and it's you know going from moses brown to i mean go from jared allen to moses brown's not really good and they're playing brandon goodwin a ton of minutes they had some point jetty minutes like that's point jetty yeah and like that's that's why they fell down the standings it wasn't it wasn't like an experience
2: moses brown is a free agent again so
0: oh yeah i grab him up i would I would be okay with them grabbing him up. Uh, I don't. It's. There's just not a lot of good bigs out there. He's so he's, yeah. He's not a good big, but he's <laughs> a big.
1: He's a big. Yeah. He can fill a spot.
0: Right.
2: Obviously, the injuries, Karras. Um, I also think, too, like, Isaac Okoro has clearly. He's not taking a leap, but he's taking a step in the right direction. So I think that a lot of these guys are clicking better and it seems like Rubio is even clicking quicker than I even thought he would coming off of such a devastating injury and I'm curious do you think that they might even move up in the standings do you think they'll finish 4th or do you think that they should go even closer to you know second or third
0: i think they should finish 3rd i don't think they i don't think they really have a good chance at second um and i I think finishing fourth would be a bit of a disappointment. The Sixers have Mm -hmm. a really tough schedule, uh, and the Cavs have a really easy schedule. Uh, The Cavs' schedule is kind of... The first three games, I think, are something to really keep an eye on. They they go Denver, uh, the um, Hawks, and then Toronto on Sunday. Uh, And Toronto's given them some issues this season. Denver's one of the best teams in the West and fully rested. Uh, and then the Hawks are a team that just fired their coach. So you never know what kind of team you're going to get from them. So sure. if they can get through that little stretch there, things do get a lot easier. And the, the way the NBA schedule works is they like to backload the schedule with a lot of marquee games. And the Sixers are a marquee team. And mm. their schedule is really backloaded. They will be going through their toughest part of the schedule mm-hmm. uh, coming up. And the Cavs are going through. Probably one of their easier parts of their schedule. So this is a team that's really set up to succeed and do well. Whether they can, uh, kind of remains an open question. You know, with how, you know, how are they going to respond to the Kevin Love thing? Um, You know, can Danny Green get involved? Can they stay healthy? You know, so there are questions there, but they really should finish third, and I'd be disappointed if they finished fourth or lower.
1: I was reading that apparently from the All-Star break on, we have like the 27th most difficult record or uh, schedule left to play the game. So we really shouldn't have the difficulty be part of the reason why we have any issues, uh, why we have to go into the play-in again or miss the playoffs uh, by the end of the year. So... We talked at length over the our entire stretch of our podcast with how injured they've been over the last two and a half years. Um, that even before they got Allen, they were very injury riddled the year before that, um, when they probably should have played better, not to the expectation of now, obviously. But um, and then yeah, once they got Allen, they they kind of fell off a cliff last year after the All Star break. So um, right, that's certainly something that you can't you can't. Uh, say either way if it's going to happen you just have to hold your you know keep your fingers crossed i just know as a kid i don't remember there being a team that was riddled with so many injuries all the time Um, (laughs) and and especially with it being a sport that isn't as physical as it used to be i just kind of wondered about that you know often but yeah it's
0: it's one of those things where every team if one of their best players gets injured they don't really have a lot of you know they they will fall down the standings and the Cavs right. the calves are built a little better than most in that they have four guys that they kind of can rely yep. on so uh it really hurts if one of the bigs get injured yes. but if one of Darius or Sir Donovan get gets injured I think they can you know hold their head above water um so it's just you know it's tough when you you know you just hope that they stay that um they stay healthy and you know, fortunately they haven't had any like major injuries. It seems like Donovan Mitchell's on the other side of his groin injury that was really hindering mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. in January. We saw the last the last week of the regular season, he was really, you know, back to playing seventy one point game Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's looking like that guy again and not the guy that we saw, you know, when they played New York and Miami where he was yeah. just kind of settling for a bunch of outside shots. And was, wasn't really, he didn't have that burst. Right. So, you know, if they have him and they have the bigs and Darius Garland's playing some of the best basketball of his entire career, it's like, this is a really good team, even though they have a lot of questions around the edges. This is a good team that has a really favorable part of their schedule. They don't have any games outside the Eastern uh, time zone. Like mm-hmm. they are, they are in a prime position to move up the standings, and the Sixers are on the opposite side of that. With they have a they have a very tough schedule. So if everyone stays in, I mean, if everyone stays healthy, this should, you know, this is a team that can go on a run to end the season.
1: That's yeah. Do
2: you see something that we've noted in just their play? Obviously, the injuries. Do you see anyone on the bench kind of stepping up more? I know I've seen you kind of talk about how well Jetty has played at times. And obviously we mentioned Wade and the team just plays better when Wade gets at least 10 to 15 minutes a game. Even 20 is probably ideal. Do you, speaking of around the edges, do you expect or hope a certain player performs better? Just to kind of solidify getting into that third spot?
0: Um yeah it it's it's always going to be tough when you talk about the rotation with mm-hmm. like the like the wing rotation like Isaac Okoro is playing really good he's playing decisive which I think is more important than if he's yeah. um hitting outside shots if he's like making quick decisions I'd rather I do hope to see at some point like a 2 for 7, 2 for 8 game which mm-hmm. means that He's taking shots even if he's not making them because sometimes mm. when he starts to not make them, that's where we see it in the beginning of the season where it's they swing it to him and then he just kind of holds and freezes. And that's that's really not what you want. You just want to see him keep making decisions and quick and quick moves. Uh, but you never know, like, is this run going to end? Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, you kind of be worried about. We've seen Karis, Karis Lavert is still trying to find his place with the team, you know, so you, you know, and then like Jetty Osmond is, would be a lot, I think he's a really good fit with the team because he moves off ball better than any other wing that they have, uh, he's a decent shooter, but he's not a great shooter, you know, and and the problem with Dean Wade is Dean Wade is a good defender and a good shooter, but he doesn't shoot much, and he doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't move a lot off ball, he's not... Mm-hmm. He doesn't shoot well enough to be like a Kevin Love Channing Fry where it's like, you know, you can't leave him because he will make mm-hmm. the shot. So mm-hmm. that's where it's like, there's a lot of question marks there. And you just hope that some of them are playing well mm-hmm. and that they're fitting in well. My hope would be like if Ricky Rubio is like the better version of ricky rubio that we've seen at times this year and we saw all of last year that's a guy who can really just keep things moving when you know when everyone isn't hitting their shots and when the wing rotation looks kind of wonky he's somebody who can keep things going i'd like to see him get more minutes with mitchell and garland we've seen jb Mm -hmm. experiment with that some they may have to go smaller now that they don't really have Kevin, well, they, it's not that they don't really have Kevin Love. They actually don't have <laughs> don't. Kevin Love. So,
2: no, he's not there, right. Jackson. Let it go. No. He's gone. No.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you, so you're going to have to go smaller a lot more. You know, if if Dean Wade doesn't have it, that means we're going to go really small, and maybe it's it could be a team that plays up tempo. So I'm kind of interested to see how that all shakes out, how those bench minutes look without that traditional, like, we're going to go with a traditional four, and we're going to mm-hmm. keep one of Bobley and Allen out there. So that's something that, had, that I would keep an eye on.
2: Cool. The final seconds. So, Adam, as we noted, Kevin Love is gone, and it was reported that his number will be retired. Do you
1: think he is deserving of the honor from the Cavaliers? If they want to retire every single... Players' number from the championship team. I'm, I'm fine with that. A lot of numbers in the Raptors. Um, I think that Love and Kyrie, I think those two guys deserve to have their numbers retired in Cavs history, simply because those three guys are responsible the most for bringing a championship to Northeast Ohio, and Kevin Love came to Cleveland and assumed the third role in the big three. And we all know what that means. You know, It's the Chris Bosch role. And you're gonna have to take a back seat when it comes to your offensive production. And I thought the Cavs did an interesting thing with Kevin over the years and really let him be the first half show And then the second half, they let Kyrie and and LeBron take it over. Now, we know that Kevin, afterwards, after the championships, he's basically been um, a broken toy. You know, he's been something that you just can't get out on the court enough for there to be a positive outcome (laughs) for having him on your team, especially when you're paying him the crazy amount of salary that we gave him over the last five years. So... You know, Kevin Love for good or bad and everything that we ever thought of him and all the trade rumors that that happened throughout the years and the times when you thought, oh, I want him to be a Cav forever. And then other times, hey, what can we get for him? It was always back and forth. But just because he was a part of the championship and because he was the type of caliber player that he was and that he contributed to our success uh with that championship i would say that yeah he deserves to have his number retired i was a little surprised that they announced it the minute he left but in some ways i feel like this is the opposite of the lebron breakup this is uh, oh my god you're leaving us i thought you were happy i thought everything was fine or, well have a good life i mean we, we really we really care about you we we wish the best for you you know like I think they're just setting the stage for Kevin to know that he'll always have a home here and that even though it didn't end the way that the Cavs wanted or maybe he wanted, um, they want that fairy tale ending when, when he's done. The Cavs currently hold the number four spot in the East, sitting five games behind Boston for the top spot. Yet they've projected plus 3,000 to win it all. The Lakers are plus 4,000 and they're 13 in the West. Is this disrespectful or justified? So I think this is
2: Vegas being Vegas. They are definitely wanting to put more clout in LeBron. They'll always have a high number. They'll always have a lot of clout for LeBron. And I do think there's a little bit of a level of disrespect because of the fact that the Cavs are a really young team and they did falter last year. Granted, it was because of injury. But at the same time, they were a team that looked like they should have been in the top four last year, top five last year, and they didn't get it done. And so that's really a lot of times how these projections work. It's it's based off of previous years and whatnot. And I just really hope that the Cavs prove all of these people wrong. I think that... The Cavs do have a lot of fans in the NBA from the media as a whole. I know that uh, Bill Simmons and other folks like J.J. Redick on his pod, they've all been positive about the direction the Cavaliers are going. But I, I hope even on some level they prove them even more wrong and how well the Cavs come out of the gate in the second half of the season because I really want them to push for the number one seed because I think this is a team that beat Boston early on in the season and some nail biting wins but still beat them and they match up really well with a lot of these Eastern Conference teams and they feel, and they should feel like they should have the chance at the Eastern Conference Championship this year if they want to take
1: that chance. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. Let's go Cavs!